Hello and welcome to Shadow Talk, a cybersecurity news and threat research podcast brought to you by the ReliQuest Threat Research Team. My name is Chris and I'll be your host this week where I'm joined by two of my colleagues. So first up we have Ivan. How are you doing, Ivan? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me again. Fabulous. You are most welcome. And we also have George from the Threat Hunting Team. How's things with you, George? All good, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Good, good, good. Uh, so I think we've got quite a busy episode this week, so I'll uh, I'll get cracking with the first story. So the first thing we'd like to talk about is a critical vulnerability which has been discovered in the secure file transfer service called MoveIt. Uh, active exploitation of this particular vulnerability has been observed in the wild, which could lead to escalated privileges and have the potential for unauthorized access to an environment. Uh, I imagine, listeners, that you've been very much following this one. Uh, I have to say, I was actually off work yesterday when the, the news cycle kicked up a gear with regards to this vulnerability. So I'll admit I'm pretty out of the loop on this one. Uh, but George, I know this one has been on your radar, so I'll fire these questions to you. So first up, what exactly does this vulnerability involve? And uh, could you provide us with a little more information on uh, Move It software and what it's used for? I understand. So this is a zero day vulnerability. It's a very similar to the January 23 mass exploit that was observed with Go Anywhere and similar to the December 2020 zero-day exploit of Acelian FTA servers. Um, it targets mostly publicly accessible movie transfer servers. Uh, our inter internal investigation suggests that the attack started as early as uh, 528, uh, basically Memorial Day, uh, the day before on Sunday, and early Sunday was the initial uh, attacks observed. It relies on uh, the dependencies. The server of Movit software is basically utilized to perform uh, file transfers. So it utilizes the dependencies of this software that can be accessed through the uh, website. Uh, the threat actors use these dependencies to basically drop uh, a shell. The shell is called human2.aspx. It is basically dropped on the same root server um, path, move it to transfer slash www root slash that the normal human uh, SPX is observed. Uh, that dependency is utilized for all authentications observed with the browsers. Once this shell is dropped, then it drops on DLLs that creates uh, in the same fashion. They all masquerade as dependencies of the application and give threat actors access to the server. Um, the vulnerability itself could be used for multiple things. We have seen it used for enumeration, remote uh, command execution, and extraction. Wow. Well, that doesn't sound like particularly good news. Uh, I guess the the key thing to take away there is just like you said, it's it can be used for a number of different purposes. So it's going to be on the radar for a big variety of, of threat groups, you know, not just kind of, I, I assume, you know, cyber criminals and nation state groups will be kind of looking at this as a, a potential way to uh, achieve their goals. What's the actual risk uh, posed by this, this zero day vulnerability? Uh, and what information do we know about the exploitation of it so far? Well, the actual risk is full access to these servers, which are publicly visible. Uh, at first, only a few 
a small minor minority of attackers, like threat actors, knew about the vulnerability. But it seems that since the release of the exploit, uh, they started becoming more active and other threat actors figured out how the system works or likely bought it from other people. And we've seen an increase in utilization of these attacks. Given that it is zero, it is a zero day until the service patched, this is a critical uh, vulnerability for everyone that has those services running. Um, as of May 31st, there was an advisory uh, released by ReliaQuest, and we've been following all our customers very closely. Uh, but again, we believe that patching is the best method right now. Excellent. Um, is is there any other advice you would you would set to listeners other than kind of the usual, you know, patching as soon as it's available? Is there anything else we uh, that listeners need to be doing right now? So for the defense team or for the internal security team, the the dependencies that you would see that change would be files written into the root path, movie transfer www root. Uh, the file would be human2.aspx and app underscore web underscore random dll. If these two are observed and they're written, uh, it is likely that the server has been breached. The script itself allows uh, the threat actor to delete the health service account, which would basically check for the health of this application and then re take control or create another account to basically run whatever they want to do with it. Um, the normal recommended structure is to block port 80 and 443, but that would take your service down. If you don't want to take your service down while you're updating, just make sure that these files are not present in your servers and enter all the traffic observed. We observed a lot of post and get. Uh, that is the main HTTP traffic communication method, but that with in conjunction with the dependency be, being asked on the URL, you can see if you're being targeted or not. Uh, likely a lot of noise right now because everybody's using it. Good stuff. So there is options for uh, for getting visibility of, of any exploitation of this. That's good to hear. Um, I'll just uh, and thank you for for referencing the blog and the advisory that went out. So I'll, I'll just quickly summarize. You know what we at Relicast are doing. So obviously we're monitoring this situation closely. Uh, after releasing that initial advisory for customers, and of course this will be updated as information surfaces in this activity as things change daily. Uh, at the time of writing, our intelligence feeds are being continually updated with unique indicators of compromise as well. Uh, so we're uh, really assisting in that visibility piece we just mentioned. And we're also deploying hunt packages onto client networks that have been identified uh, as using MoveIt. And, and in addition to that, we also request any other customers that do not have MoveIt in their environment, um, otherwise get in touch with with our, uh, with ReliQuest to determine how we can help too. So uh, a lot of actions uh, underway uh, here at RQ, making sure customers are, uh, are remaining protected uh, from any exploitation of this particular vulnerability. Uh, but yes, yeah, a unique one. Um, I, I remember you referenced Go, go Anywhere. It, that was the first thing that kind of cropped into my head when I saw this uh, kind of, you know, reaching the news cycles uh, as I logged on this morning. So oh, really right. good thing. Yeah, they are they're utilizing uh, basically dependencies that were in vulnerabilities in the past. One of them was in 2015 and the other one was in 2020. So this service is not is not new to being vulnerable and finding zero days. 
It's just they found a new way to communicate with it and abuse sure. it. Good stuff. So uh, it's uh, an old story then, just a, a new kind of refresh way of looking at it, I suppose. Excellent. Um, thank you for that, George. Uh, let's move on to the next item for today. And that's dedicated to our favourite forum of the past, uh, Raid Forums, uh, a very notorious hacking forum, which, of course, was uh, taken down. Uh, was it early this year? I believe earlier this year. Um, uh, essentially, uh, we've seen a number of leaks online that have allowed threat actors and security researchers to have insight into the types of people who frequented this forum before it was taken down. Um, so first up, Ivan, could you give our listeners with uh, an overview of what Raid Forums is and what significance does the breach hold for the cyber criminal community in general? Sure. Uh, Raid Forums, it was one of the most popular English speaking cyber criminal forums uh, to ever exist. It, it was the place where a lot of cyber criminals went to sell stolen data, leak data breaches, uh, share information about attacks and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, and a leakage of this type of forum can be quite significant, okay? especially considering how many high profile cyber criminals used raid forums on a daily basis. Uh, so this leak, it could lead to the leakage of threat actors, email addresses, hashed passwords and potentially more identifiable information. Uh, it could be a threat actor's worst nightmare. That being said, most threat actors are probably using disposable emails and unique slash strong passwords. Uh, so the exposure really will depend on how careful those threat actors were when they were signing up for these, uh, the forum. Excellent. Yeah, it, it does seem to be a potential goldmine of of information, really. One that you you just know law enforcement, you know, loved getting their hands on. Um, and like you say, a lot of these actors or the majority of them will be using good OPSEC, but there will, there will be a few who probably will have dropped the ball in some fashion. You know, maybe they've used um, similar items of information across different forums or or different kind of social media accounts. And that's often the way that these guys get caught. Right. So uh, really interesting to see that this is, uh, has happened. Um, we spoke about raid forums before and its closure. Uh, where do you think its members have fled to? I remember this is one that I think we, we me and you spoke about on the podcast quite a few months ago. But where, where have they all gone to? Yeah, so initially members of Raid Forums, they went to another forum that was nearly identical to Raid, uh, which was called Breach Forums. And uh, Breach Forums was developed by someone called Pompompurin, which was a former member of Raid Forums. However, Breach Forums didn't last very long and the owner was eventually arrested and the site was forced to be shut down. So nowadays we're seeing a bigger and bigger number of communities of threat actors and they are choosing to go to underground forums on the dark web, such as XSS and Exploit. So these forums are seeing bigger and bigger English speaking communities nowadays because the risk of these sites being seized is smaller and the safety of the users is likely higher than on a clear web forum like Great Forums or previously also Breach Forums. Good stuff. So these Russian language cyber criminal forums like uh, XSS, they've seen an influx of English cyber criminals. And is that what you're saying? Yeah, it over the past few months. Yeah, ever since raid forums were shut down. Good stuff. Well, I'm I'm sure they've gone down like uh, uh, an absolute pile of bricks, right? <laughs> With the community that are on, the established community that are on XSS. Um, and interesting, you mentioned Pom Pom Purin as well. Of course, we all know of him. 
uh, gone but not forgotten. Uh, but yeah, he's a very infamous cyber criminal, of course, like you said, the, uh, the administrator of breach forums. Okay, excellent stuff. Um, let's move on to our last item, which is uh, dedicated to uh, a different form of ransomware we've seen recently. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this booty. So it's Bravo Uniform Hotel Tango India booty ransomware. Uh, I think that's the way you pronounce it. That's the way I'm going to do it anyway. Um, but this is a new ransomware operation that uses the leaked code of the Lockbit and Babook ransomware families. And that's been used to target Windows and Linux systems, respectively. And while the threat actors behind Booty, who are tracked as Blacktail, uh, have not developed their own ransomware strain, they have created a custom data exfiltration utility that they use to blackmail victims. Of course, we know this tactic uh, as a double extortion, very, very common uh, among ransomware groups. Incredibly common. Um, so question to you, Ivan, is, uh, you know, what's the sketch with this new ransomware? You know, what do we know about them? Yeah, so like you mentioned, Booty or Booty, however you want to pronounce it, uh, they are a ransomware group that was developed using the leaked Babook source code and the Lockbit 3.0 builder. And the threat actor used these leaked resources to create a ransomware that was capable of targeting both Linux using Babook and Windows using the Linux, the, sorry, the Lockbit builder. Uh, and the ransomware works like most ransomware groups nowadays. They encrypt data and then they try to exfiltrate that data. However, one particularly interesting thing about the group is that the ransom note doesn't make any threats of data leakages. Uh, it simply says that if they don't pay, if they got to pay the ransom to get the decryptor so they can access their files again. So that suggests that the group may, may be performing single extortion with only encryption. Uh, despite the ransomware's exfiltration capabilities. That is interesting. So they have the capability of stealing files, but they're actually going quite old school in this case and are just conducting single extortion. That's really interesting. I, I wonder with, what, what, what would kind of motivate them to do that? I guess it's easier if you just kind of hammer them in the encryption phase and then you can move on to a new target. Is, is that the kind of thing you think they're doing? Is it just an effort to turn over as many victims as possible? Yeah, I believe personally that it's just easier for them now. Uh, they don't really seem to be that sophisticated, so mm -hmm. it's easier than setting up a data leakage website, finding a place to host all those files, mm -hmm. and having the whole infrastructure for double, double extortion. Yeah, we talked about this before, haven't we? Just how difficult it is in actually maintaining that infrastructure on the on the dark web, which obviously has caps on your internet speed uploading material i mean stealing the, the stuff in the first place but then uploading it to these these dedicated data leak sites it's an absolute nause or i imagine not that i would know because i've never done this but i imagine it's incredibly difficult to do that and there are other consequences to uploading data uh that the threat actor may you know not actually you know want to happen we talked about conti in the past and when they uh impacted uh, graph that that diamond company that jewelry company and as a result of that breach of data of lots of people they didn't want to maybe it is easier if you're happy just um turning over more victims in a, a more quick fashion you know just to focus on the encryption side of an attack that that's really interesting um so the next question i was going to ask you is is there anything particularly insightful about this group obviously we just mentioned they're doing single extortion is there anything else we want to mention or are they just another copycat uh no i wouldn't i wouldn't say they are a copycat they're just making use of all the resources that they can. Uh, the group has used uh, leaked source codes, ransomware builders, PLC exploits, and more. Uh, they're getting the results without having to build everything from scratch. 
but we don't really believe that the Booty developers are likely to be very sophisticated, like I mentioned before, because the way that they are asking for payments also is very unusual. Uh, they are using a clear web website to sell the decryptor for as low as like $2,000. And this ransom demand is very low compared to other ransomware groups that we have seen. Uh, so uh, we assess that they are likely a very small ransomware operation, and it may be one of the first ones by its developers. Fascinating. Yeah, two, two. Th you say two thousand? That that's remarkably low. Yeah, yeah. It was a website, and uh, the file, the decryptor was available on that website, and you just had to pay two thousand uh, dollars to get the decryptor. And keep in mind, this is a public website, a file sharing website uh, that anybody can use to sell any files. So, okay. Very unusual technique. It, you know, it's it's not something that we would see a high-profile ransomware group using. No, no, absolutely not. It's not that I would ever condone paying criminals, but it's almost if you you are impacted by this to a serious degree. It's almost worth just paying $2,000 to, to get your files restored. Of course, there's no guarantee that would happen. But um, did I just say that on a podcast? No, do not pay cyber criminals. Just want to make that absolutely abundantly clear. But you could see the uh, rationale why someone might might do that for such a small amount of money. Uh, usually it's uh, much more than that. Okay, excellent. Thank you, Ivan. Um, we'll end the podcast there. I'll just quickly mention... Uh, the blog that we have released this week, which of course is on the aforementioned MoveIt vulnerability. Uh, this goes through you know, what we know about the vulnerability so far, uh, what we don't know, and what are the actual uh, things we do need to find out, uh, what you should be doing now, and of course what ReliQuest is doing uh, to keep our customers' uh, networks protected from this particular nasty vulnerability. Uh, so that's it for this week. Uh, I'd like to take this chance to thank George and Ivan for joining me. And of course, also thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Uh, otherwise, stay safe and we'll see you next week. <laughs>